Liberate, the podcast where we explore what it means to live a life of deep liberation and unbridled pleasure in love, life, and business. My name's Lauren Becker. Nothing is off limits here. Get ready to come alive in full-bodied, wildly enriching, soul-aligned possibility. This is your permission to liberate. In today's podcast, I speak with Shannon Major, who is a teacher and oracle in service to truth, love, and embodied divinity. We cover what liberation means to Shannon and how she feels it relates to our divinity and innocent power, what actually is our innocence, and how returning to it can allow us to be animated and moved by the divine spark of love, and what is our soul essence. And how do we unthread our conditioning and restore this most purest part of ourselves in order for our greatest liberation? This one is juicy. I can't wait for you to listen. I have the absolutely incredibly amazing woman here, Shannon Major. Shannon, I have, uh, I've known for a little while now, a, a couple of years, I think, and you've really been a, a pivotal part in my world. And I, mm. it was a no brainer to, to have you on here. And so for those of you who don't know Shan, um, Shannon Major is a teacher and oracle in service to truth, love and embodied divinity. Shan has worked with women for the last 10 years from the local government sector, supporting women experiencing domestic abuse to building her own business, which focuses on helping women open to their soul essence, their God-given fulfillment and inner union. Oh, so good. Uh, Shannon, Shannon believes that through unthreading our conditioning, which operates in resistance to life and the body, we can become intimate with the truth of who we are our divinity and innocent power as a pathway to the truest liberation we can know as women. I love that. We were just speaking earlier um, before jumping on here about how uh, fitting that bio is, uh, I believe anyway, and fitting in terms of what it is that you do and what it is that you support other people with as well. And when you sent it through, when I asked you to be on the podcast and you sent it through, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is, this is, this is perfect. And first and foremost, thank you so much. Thank you. Mm. So much. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and having me on. It's a real honor. And yeah, my heart was really happy when I got your message and your invitation. <laughs> <laughs> It's always such a delight uh, for anyone who has ever come into contact with Shen. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll notice that immediately you can't help but be shifted, I believe, anyway. Shifted, mm. opened, um, felt more in our own bodies, come back more into stillness and peace. And uh, I know that that's definitely what you... you bring me into in, in more into my heart and yeah it was it's it's such a delight babe I really appreciate it Aww, that's so beautiful to know Thank <laughs> you. uh so the first question I would love to begin with is you mentioned liberation as well and I would love for you to share what your experience and your interpretation of liberation is what you believe and feel that that is mm -hmm. yeah <sighs> yeah so firstly I'll speak to what I know to be not liberation and then I'll speak more to liberation so what I've noticed through my own kind of investigation of myself and my psyche and also what I 
can sense in the collective is that we're by default plugged into a survival mind mm -hmm. and the survival mind is inherently run by fear and external pressure and this unconscious need to perform for the external to prove ourselves to chase something it's almost like we have this constant sense of dis-ease or anxiousness kind of running in the background and it's like okay we can't sit still we can't truly relax into life because there's something to prove there's something to meet there's something to attain you know it's never ending um, and it's not the truth of who we actually are and it's not the truth of creation or the mechanics of existence but for whatever reason uh, we find ourselves in this dark age where we have been like deeply plagued by this virus like it's an infection in the human psyche so we all have that running through us in some way or another, um, whether we can identify it or not. It's like literally part of our human condition at this point in time. So when I feel liberation and what that means, it's that instead of being uh, controlled or dominated by that survival mind, there's a deepening into the underlying truth which is actually to be animated and moved by the divine spark of love, which we could say is God, is the most high, the beloved, the one. You know, there are several <laughs> names, but it's, you know, ultimately undefinable. So liberation for me has been to really let myself be led and guided and pulled by that which is always penetrating pervading uh touching us and everything that exists and we could say it's the, the masculine light we could mm -hmm. say it's christ mm -hmm. um it's constantly penetrating everything in existence mm -hmm. and that's the beautiful love making that the feminine and masculine have is feminine as creation, as form, is being uh, animated by this divine spark. And so to be saturated and devoted to that, <laughs> that current of truth versus the survival mind, the constant pressure and fear um, that, you know, there's something missing or there's something I'm not doing, there's something that's not enough, and of course, if we're heavily entrenched in that, we're not going to be receptive or open to this lovemaking with the divine because we cannot feel it, we can't see it, we can't let it in if the survival mind is literally calling all the shots and is kind of hijacking on our energy. Mm. So that's, that's my understanding and experience of liberation is you know, how much time am I, am I spending in presence and communion with the beloved, with God, with truth versus how many moments of the day am I being siphoned by this survival mind? Mm. Yeah. And um, it takes and has took a lot of honesty and dis discernment and presence to catch when the survival mind is actually the one running the show because it's so, so insidious and um, ingrained into our nervous system, into our thought patterns, into our emotional responses. Um, it's no easy feat to really have like at least somewhat a sense of mastery with discerning where your energy is actually at. Like, are you actually liberated in this moment or are you being pulled by some kind of fear mechanism? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I just really want to emphasize one of the things that you said, animated and moved. 
by the divine spark of love. Oh. Mm. Animated and moved by the divine spark of love. The of that in itself brings me directly drops me into into truth for me I just really feel the potency of that and and that landing in people's hearts ah uh, yeah wow <laughs> I um I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you're saying and um why is why is this important for people? Why is this important for people to, to know mm. for us to know mm. as human beings? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, if we have absolutely no awareness of ourselves, our reactions, our motivations, the programs that we're running through we're going to be plugged into the mind matrix, which literally lives on a dimension of thought and identity. It's false, it's inherently false. It's not the truth of existence. It's not the truth of who we are um, in the sense of our God-given innocence and union. It's literally a lie, Mm -hmm. it's an infection. So the simple answer to that is, do you want to live by truth in your true nature, in your innocence, or do you want to live in some kind of distorted uh, identification of who you think you are based on these survival programs that have been indoctrinated into you, which we all have because we've all been susceptible to this trauma. Mm. Yeah. The the great collective trauma of separation. And again, it's a question of, do you want to live in separation away from the truth of who you are? Or do you want to live in union with God as as you were intended to? Mm. So in your uh, opinion or your experience, who, what would you say the truth of who we are is? What do you believe and feel in yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I could give voice to that in many different ways, but it's the truth of who we are is that divine spark of essence, Mm. that particular soul flavor that we emanate and embody so effortlessly because it is who we are. So it's the place inside us, it's the parts of us that are so inherent to our nature that we don't have to try to be that it's actually when we stop trying which is through the mind virus of like oh I've, I've got to be someone I've got to change myself or um, I've got all these things to chase and, and these things to prove before I can be who I am it's like okay underneath all of that wiring who are you like when your heart is open, when you are relaxed and surrendered, who you are will uh, rise through that space. Mm. Mm. So it's really a journey of untying the threads of how we have been conditioned to clench up in life. Mm. And so when you stop clenching and when your system and your heart opens and softens, who you are is going to emanate and radiate quite naturally because it's the truth. Mm. Yeah, and I, um, the way that I have seen that I guess what you're explaining the flavor of what you're explaining being expressed out into the world um is very much through you know the childlike state like things that we used to do when we were little children Mm, yes of of the play and the fun and the wholehearted living of just choosing what we want to choose in the moment because it feels really good and 
we just want to do that. So I would love uh, if you have any any examples of that, examples, I guess, of how that shows up or could show up for people to kind of have a bit of a reference point of, oh, this might be when I'm, you know, expressing my my soul essence and my soul flavor out into the world and mm. this feel. Yeah, yeah, good question. And I I love that and echo that so deeply, you know, it's that childlike innocence um, and passions that we had mm. for no reason other than we just enjoyed it. Um, so I would say, yeah, think about who you were as a child. Like, what did you love? What were your aspirations and what really, what really motivated you in your aliveness and, and how would you spend your time as a child? Or if you could spend your time anyway now and money was no object, like, what would you be doing? Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. There's um there's actually something that I've been playing in lately of um <clears throat> what would I be doing if no one else was to be involved? Mm. And I was just in the purity of the absolute joy and thrill of doing it because it lit me up so much. Lit me up. Yes. Not anyone yes. else. Not needing yeah. back from anyone else around me. Like what is that thing that I just love to do when no one else is around and it moves me so much yes yeah yeah exactly it's like if you take away all agenda or mm. outcome or goals from it <laughs> like what would it be how would you express yourself how would you invest your energy mm. like regardless of how it was received or how it was measured Mm. And do you feel, because this takes me to, this feels like a heart piece for me. Like this feels like a reconnection first and foremost to my heart's desires and the truth of my heart's desires. And I'm wondering, um, why do you feel people have shut down from, from, from doing this why like because it sounds like this is such a, a a passion of yours to well not only sounds like but feels like you know this is really something that you're deeply passionate about and also passionate about bringing to the world and sharing mm -hmm. with others which for me indicates a, a sense of shutdown that other people aren't living this to its fullest capacity Mm -hmm. why why I mean you touched into fear before but why do you think this is here and how do you feel like people can yeah can kind of begin to connect back into this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our collective infection of separation on a very psychological emotional level has basically conditioned us to be so motivated and dominated by the external mm. that we live in a narrative where the external, you know, the loudest voice, which you could call um, is the patriarchy, which doesn't mean specifically men, but that kind of patriarchal programming of that distorted masculine kind of force um, that we currently see woven into all of our systems and values. That external force is run by a motivation of money, uh, what is successful, what is shiny, um, what can be commodified, what uh, is considered uh, valuable, or powerful in the world. So this internalized separation that we feel, it's almost like the way you can see it is like a narcissistic relationship where the collective is like this kind of abused child and the external is saying like, I don't care what you wanna do or what you think is fun. 
this is what you need to live up to and this is who you need to be and this is what you need to prove and until you have this endless list of things <laughs> um, which you can't actually ever meet um, then you won't be free and so on a very 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 unconscious level and it goes back to our ancestry like it's literally a generational wound it's not just living through us um that voice has become so dominant and so loud that we have become so controlled by that versus actually the truth of what god has seeded in our heart mm. so instead of listening to that or even being able to hear it which is that gust of inspiration desire joy creativity instead of being moved by that we have become very uh very binded to that patriarchal force and even some of the most spiritually awakened people uh i know who you could say stand on a platform of leadership and have accumulated wealth they're still entrenched in that patriarchal force like it's that insidious mm. i um i love that you've brought this forward because i would the next question i want to ask you then is is wealth bad is power bad is is you know is is all that bad mm. like you know yes yeah is is all that bad yeah that's a great question um because according to the mind matrix this kind of distorted patriarchal force they represent a very warped version of power and wealth that isn't actually either um power doesn't live on the realm of identity you know oh if you are seen as this person and you meet these credentials and have these things and you're powerful that isn't power and like yes we could say wealth is having a lot of money but if you're not accumulating and receiving wealth as an extension of your embodied power your connection to divinity then that's not wealth either that's just money money isn't always wealthy if it is not actually coming from a place of integrity mm -hmm. so i feel like what we're being pulled to move towards is the embodiment of power which is actually the same as our innocence which is why i say innocent power because they're actually the same thing um and, and my experience of it is that me being in my power is just me taking up space in me it's me inhabiting myself perfect so what i what i take from that is we've kind of gone so far out of ourselves that we've lost the actual foundational pillars of power we've lost if you if we were trees we've kind of like <laughs> uprooted ourselves and toppled ourselves over thinking that you know we can just solely exist in this world without having roots without actually anchoring inside of ourselves and then growing up and out from that place as much as we go mm, mm. and um and I love what you mentioned in terms of the innocence. And I would love for you to also, um, I guess maybe what, you know, share your version of innocence, because I feel like uh, innocence can be, well, I guess when I first connected into innocence, I thought it was just being, you know, in as a child, like just being mm. a child and innocence and adulthood did not, they were compartmentalized in my brain um, and, and they were not connected or even friends or holding hands at any point in my body. <laughs> uh, because to be an adult, I needed to 
be a certain way. And I couldn't then be in my childlike innocence because that would actually interrupt uh, and disturb my ability to stand in my quote unquote power, essentially. Mm -hmm. So can you share a little bit more around your interpretation of innocence and how it actually not only fits into us as adults, but also is imperative that we Mm -hmm. include. Uh Uh-huh. So innocence is who we are when we're operating from a place of wholeness, Um, which is essentially to be so full and so liberated that you do not require validation from the external in any way. So it's like, I am going to be who I am, whether you see me, whether you like me, whether you validate me, whether you um, compliment me, I'm still going to be this because it's who I am. So it's that space that we land in when we drop all agenda, all motivation, those kind of unconscious hooks that we might have in the external to you know, get something back from whatever we're doing or giving. So innocence is really to be without agenda, to be in such a embodiment of wholeness that it's like, I am just emanating and radiating and transmitting life because it is the truth of who I am. And whether you see me or care or like like me or not, this is going to be this because this is the truth. I, I just want to emphasize that point before you uh, share more if there's more. Um, and really highlight the no agenda part because Mm -hmm. that was also something that I navigated through was feeling like I was in my innocence, but there was an even deeper, more subtle understanding Mm. of when I'm in my joy, I make others feel really good. I get something back and that then lights me up even more. It was almost like this still drive or desire um, to also impact others. And I, not that I think that that's a bad thing, but I wasn't having it for myself first and foremost. It wasn't Mm -hmm. myself, just Mm -hmm. for myself and then noticing the byproduct of that be, ah, other people... (laughs) smile or other people, you know, the the potential byproduct of that. Um, Could you share how that, I guess maybe the subtleties, like I I would love Mm. to hear what that, what that really subtle difference is that you Mm -hmm. of, because I feel like sometimes we can be in our innocence, but it can also still be coming from this place of agenda. Yeah. Yeah. So I've tracked this a lot in myself and it's something that I actually have to be um, very aware of. Mm -hmm. And um, you could describe it as that kind of wounded dark feminine that's like, it's that fracturing in the psyche where we're split off from God, or you could say our own masculine and our own consciousness. So it's like, there's a seduction in how I'm going to be with you in terms of, I need your consciousness, your presence to affirm who I am and how I feel because I don't know how to see myself. My heart isn't open to myself. So I need your attention on me. I need to interface with something external in order to bathe in my own power or my own radiance. So it's like, I can't hold this experience, whether it's erotic, whether it's joyful, 
whether it's angry, unless I interface with something external, because then it isn't real or I don't have permission to be with it. And this is kind of the, the typical way that we might use our sexual energy. It's like, oh, well, if I'm going to really run this, this energy of desire right now, then I have to hook something outside of myself so I can actually be stimulated by it. Mm. And it's, it's just a fracturing. It's just um, an imprint of shame in the body where the feminine, the soul, um, has, has shame around actually holding that life force and that power um, without getting another presence outside of her mm. so she can actually be with it or validate it um, or meet it fully. And when we're kind of uh, positioned in this embodiment of wholeness, we already have the consciousness of God, the consciousness of ourselves, our own hearts, seeing and meeting everything that we're feeling and all the energy that's running through us. We don't need that external uh, presence or awareness to be with us necessarily. And that's not saying that it's wrong. Like I have moments with my partner where I might crash up against some sexual trauma and I will say to him from a place of consciousness, please, um, can I have your presence in this moment? Um, and that's empowering because it's honest. It's saying like, I can feel the unsafety here. Please, can I also have your presence with me so that I can meet this and hold it? That's not fragmented because it's, it's, um, it's sincere. You know, there's no deception running. When it's running on seduction or in the undercurrents, but there's no awareness or honesty around it, then it can become <laughs> quite entangled and toxic. Mm. And I don't think that we should ever judge when this happens or if it has happened. It's just about getting honest. Um, you know, was I really meeting and holding that myself or was I kind of unconsciously trying to hook you in um which is always going to kind of exist on a level of deception or insincerity mm. yeah and I feel the intimacy in, um in in the embodied innocence we were actually speaking about this prior to to getting on the call as well of, of <laughs> Um, the energy of innocence feeling uh, well for me personally it felt it felt really foreign really incredibly foreign and it was something that I had to recondition my nervous system to yeah like you said deconstruct all of the ways in which I had created protective layerings to stop myself mm. from this much pure joy and fullness and wholeness and euphoria and 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 love uh and and innocence and um yeah it, it feels I, I guess with everything it feels like it's a muscle that's needing to be exercised would you say like that the muscle mm -hmm. well yeah, what would, what would you say in terms of that, of yeah, you know, if people were to trial and error this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hey, what is this? This is me and my innocence. And then, oh, was that true? Did that feel true? Yeah. You know, yeah. What would you suggest to people in terms of A, mm. how to go about it and B, how to support themselves through the journey of their feedback that they receive? Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a journey of taking up space in yourself and by that I literally mean inhabiting the truth of what is alive inhabiting the truth of what is what's going on in the nervous system what's going on in the emotional body it's bringing presence to the aliveness that's happening um so the, the way that I've 
I guess, expanded my capacity to do that. And I'm still doing it. And I know there's still so far for me to go with that. Um, is really calling ourselves into honesty when we, we feel ourselves going into that space of contraction or tension or reaction. And instead of either, you know, collapsing in on ourselves um, or then externalizing, you know, getting stuck in the story about it or, you know, well, it's caused by this. When we come out of all of that meaning that we make, just bringing spacious presence to whatever's happening. How do people... I just want to ask a little question here in terms of that, you know, for people who I guess maybe have been doing this for a little while or maybe have never even done this before, um, how, do pe how do people bring presence? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. what, is, what is the presence? What is aliveness? How do people know what those things are and how do they, uh -huh. how do they bring them together? How do people bring presence to aliveness? How does that feel? Yeah you in your body what's your interpretation of that yeah there's a certain um there's a certain number of anchor points for me right now like I've uh quite recently got really into breath work as like my daily go-to and I'm probably quite late to the party but it actually took me ages to to like want to do it which was you know just resistance um the breath is an anchor point, bringing your breath and sending your breath directly to the place in your body or just to your body in general, um, bringing sound so you can just vibrate um, or yeah, let out sound and directing that to a place in the body. Stillness is one of the most simple ones, bringing yourself to stillness. Often if we're in a state of trigger um, or contraction, there's some level of emotion chaos going on or chaos in the mind that's happening. So, okay, can I just call myself into stillness now? Whether that's with my breath, whether that's literally placing my hands over my body and just bringing myself into here, into now. Um, I don't think there's any one set way that it needs to look. I think that we have instincts in our body that um, prefer certain pathways um, and mine have actually changed throughout the years. But at the moment, I found like my breath is the most powerful anchor point, um, which will always stretch you and kind of call you to your edges because one of the things that we don't want to do when we're kind of hypervigilant or in fear is we don't want to breathe properly. So the breath will instantly be like actually a point of alchemy for the system. Yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, I, 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 I really notice the experience of the, the feeling when, when um, and I really invite people as they're listening to this to be in the experience of what their body is feeling. Yeah. Coupled with, you know, the words that they're hearing because uh, there, there is such a, um, a powerful transmission that I feel like you uh, bring in. So I, I feel, I feel the, uh, I feel the answer, I guess you could say, as well as the, the words. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, what does innocence feel like to you, Shan? Mm. It feels sweet. It's like, whether it's me inhabiting erotic energy or joy or grief, 
if my heart can be open to what's happening, like in the moment, there's almost a sweetness with it. Mm. It's like I could be grieving for the world, but there's this sense of connection to everything and everyone. So it's like the innocence is always bringing me into the whole, mm. bringing me into unity, whether it's through my humanness and through the limitations and trauma of my humanness that are still there, or whether it's through this like invincible nature of my spirit. Mm. that's just so connected to the oneness and the purity of all that is mm. but it's always yeah it's always bringing me into connection with something higher than myself something greater than my own identity mm. and so with that comes a childlikeness because it's almost like we we land in that position of creation with creator you know it's like the surrendered spark of love with this architecture of absolute safety absolute holding absolute support and so with that when we allow ourselves to be held by that architecture we can actually relax and soften and surrender. And that's where the childlike innocence comes alive. Mm. And so another way we could speak to that architecture is being in that literal cradling of God. Mm. I actually want to touch into this. You speak a lot about God and for a lot of people, it can be um, a word that, carries so mm. much so much from what we've been educated from you know the energetics that flow throughout the world from from all of it you know history yeah. I would love to hear your your perspective on on God like what is God for you and why is it a yeah, what's your interpretation of God? So, yeah, my, my connection and sense of God as a child was something that I couldn't conceptualize. I couldn't um, name. I didn't understand it. I just knew that it was a space that I went to or a space that would take me over. And all of a sudden it was like, I was in the abyss of the universe. Mm. And so when we talk about God from a, a place of the direct experience, which is kind of like the, the tantric revelation and gnosis of when we are communing with God as a lived experience, as something that we can't point at or name, but it's happening and it's incredibly spiritual and cosmic and heart opening. Mm. So it's that with the most high with, oh, you've just frozen on your back. back. <laughs> There we go. Can you hear me? Yes, Am I with I've you? Got you? Good. Um, I'll try You're and start me. that sentence again. It's that lived experience of being in relationship with this current of love that we all know to be real and um because of so much religious indoctrination and religious pathologies, of course, that word God has been, um, has been weaponized. And so if that is you, or if you feel some kind of sense of that in your body, like many people do, you know, there are people that are victims of religious abuse 
um, then I feel like that word God can be really misleading and can kind of personify God as this kind of man in the sky. And, um, and that is often the way our identity and our mind is tr trying to wrap itself around that knowing, the knowing of that connection. So um, I can't even remember what your question was, but to me, God is literally the divine spark of truth, of love, of life. Mm. of divinity that is constant like there's nowhere it is not and it's only a case of are we receiving it are we open to it versus are we too dissociated and too anxious or distracted to even notice and that's why something very simple like coming into stillness coming into presence literally instantaneously merges us with God because God is never not here it's literally just okay if we get still get soft slow down inside then we can actually start to notice like how much beauty and awe and magic is happening like not because we're we're making it so, not because we're um, we're putting any filters over reality, because it's the actual truth. Mm. So, would you say that a lot of us are living a facade? I don't know if we're living a, a facade, but um, many of us are living in a dissociated, distracted state by default. Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that we have shut ourselves off from the divine, from God, from the beloved, whatever name feels true it really doesn't matter it's it's universally known that you know this earth this whole universe is upheld by force of love and so um the only facade i think we could really be in is the lie that that's not the highest truth and that it's not our birthright to be to be binded to that truth mm -hmm. which with that comes i mean and this is you know very basic new age it comes with the the inherent belief of i am safe i am worthy i am loved i am free i am sovereign because i exist and um you know it's it really sounds like a um a, a, I guess a, a self-responsibility piece that's what it feels like of of actually just choosing just choosing something you know different choosing uh maybe even one thing that is slightly a little bit different or um that feels a little bit better for us or, um, and it could even be listening to a podcast. It could even be listening to different music, you know, something small like that. Uh, but actually, yeah, choosing how would, what would you recommend for, for people who are finding themselves in, you know, maybe even just having conversations with God has, um, about God has brought up stuff in their body uh, or even just hearing this conversation that we've had has really like made them feel a certain way, like they're feeling a certain way and they don't, there's a part of them that feels like it might be true and they're curious and, you know, they're kind of in this place of resistance and also curiosity at the same time. 
What would you say to people who might be in this place just from this conversation, but also potentially out there in the world where they do feel like there is more, where they do feel like there is another way of being, living and functioning. Um, and you, something that I really love that you say about it is embodied divinity. And uh, yeah, I guess what are some, what are some pathways in which people can begin to walk their path of their own version of embodied divinity? The answer is always so simple, like everything that we need to open to and understand is like ridiculously simple. And I would say like me speaking right now could be a seed um, that I plant in you to consciously choose more times of the day where you're present and not just present in your mind but present with your whole body go for a walk in nature and immerse yourself in the presence of that experience and what do you notice open up because when we're in the distorted survival mind reality literally contorts itself it like becomes this kind of sharp threatening overwhelming place and so we're not seeing it as it is we're seeing it how we are so just by softening and just by creating some stillness inside yourself to just be here like notice what opens up and like this is where all <laughs> inspiration um clarity creativity love all of it comes from that space so i i feel like the simple answer is devote yourself to more moments in presence and see what you notice like even in something really mundane mm. and um I feel like oftentimes humans overcomplicate our relationship to God or to the divine or spirituality. I mean, this is what spirituality is. <laughs> it's literally our connection to God, our connection to the divine. Um, we are never not separate from God. There's literally not a moment that you are separate from God because you can't be. Mm it's only a case of where is your mind taking you? How has your mind convinced you that, oh no, there's something to fear. I'm, I'm inherently unsafe. Um, and I can't actually be present right now because, you know, I need to run away in a fantasy of the future or, um, or maybe I'll unconsciously get immersed in some kind of addiction cycle. And all of these ways that we pull ourselves away from God, from truth. Um, I believe, and this came to me last week, it's like when we were children, or, you know, even through the ancestral line, all of these experiences as children, where that threat came out of nowhere, like that unsafety that left a very um, detrimental imprint on our nervous system, on our hearts, all of those experiences where we were spontaneously taken out of safety because there was an actual literal threat that happened. There was a shock that happened to us. Our consciousness had to split off from that experience in order to survive it. Mm. And it's a, it's the way our, our unconscious protects us it's like okay that's extremely shocking your body can't hold that so we're going to pull you away from presence we're going to pull you into the unconscious right now and so it's those imprints that leave us in that state of dissociation because our, our nervous system and our mind believes that we have to be there in order to survive 
And so, so much of this healing journey or awakening, as we call it, is literally remembering that it's safe to surrender. It's safe to be here. It's safe to be grounded. It's safe to be on the earth. It's safe to be in my body. Mm. I just got this image of, of kind of essentially being pulled off my consciousness during those times when I was younger of being pulled off and just popped into the cosmos somewhere of like, okay, I'm out of my body. I don't want to be here. I'm going to pop out and, and, and be over here now whilst my human uh, is in this experience and can navigate its way through this experience because that's what the human body does. That's what it's designed to do. Um, And I'm going to pop out over here because it's, it's much safer here. And yeah, so the journey is the the re-inhabitation. I don't even know if that's a word, but mm, yeah. Re-inhabitation during those moments where we want to pop out of redirecting ourselves back into ourselves, uh, back into full presence of it is okay to be here, it's okay to be safe in this body and uh to feel, to feel what is happening inside of myself mm-hmm. while we're here. Uh, because I'm still here. I did survive that thing that I went through when I was younger. So clearly, you know, it's the feeling of it is safe to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And so how do I, how do I re-inhabit myself and tell myself the real truth of this? Yeah. 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 And it's like that, that, um, actual experience of where our consciousness is split off and we've been pulled into the unconscious that was for our good on some level it was helping us survive and it was helping us endure what felt absolutely undurable and obviously one of those reasons is because we all of us grew up with caregivers without the real emotional capacity to hold and meet us and also to hold and meet themselves so we were all using these coping mechanisms, you know, intelligently, it's the intelligence of our system that's allowed us um, to, you know, feel like we can survive amongst all of this pain and separation. Um, But it doesn't have to be the truth anymore. And this is really the reintegration of the masculine, like, is bringing back that consciousness to the body, so that we're not these kind of like, uh collapsed pain bodies that don't know how to be felt or met or seen and it's like oh I just have to kind of either tuck it away or shrink it or hide it or I'm gonna throw it at someone else because I don't know how to hold it so you can hold it (laughs) which is you know what we do in relationship like I was the queen of doing that (laughs) still can be sometimes (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally had a, had a long journey with that one of um, throwing my vulnerability, my swampy uh, vulnerability of just bleh, take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and expecting the other person to hold it. And it's almost like what I witnessed with myself was um, I, I was still, uh, you know, not taking responsibility for it. It's almost like I was behind I'm feeling my vulnerability and I'm feeling my, you know, I hear this is what I'm doing to save myself, but actually I wasn't taking responsibility. I was, I wasn't holding myself. I was throwing it at another person, expecting yeah. a person to hold me in it um, yeah. rather than myself. So <laughs> I resonate yeah. with that. We, we project our masculine outside of us and, say oh well I'm not going to use my consciousness I need to use yours (laughs) and um yeah it's what did you say and yours is like for me it was like oh you're more you're bigger than I am right now I'm feeling because I felt Uh, really diminished you know in my victim so I felt really small and so um I I reflected on this the other day and the reasons why I would do it is because I felt so small I didn't feel mm-hmm. the capacity and my bigness and my power to actually be able to hold myself mm-hmm. but actually the truth is that yeah we can we absolutely can and it's necessary 
Yeah. And and even when it doesn't feel possible, just summoning that honesty to say, I don't know how to hold this right now. Can you sit with me or see me? Because that can still be incredibly healing because it's conscious. We're consciously asking for that second presence rather than, you know, the, the immature feminine, so to speak. She demands it. She expects it. There's an entitlement and a, a lack of care for the other. And um, yeah, it's that's definitely a huge learning curve, I think, for women mm. and, and has been a big part of my story. Mm. Yeah, I completely resonate. Um, Shan, before I throw some final questions uh, over to you, is there anything that you would love to leave people with in terms of um, what feels important on your heart, in your soul, in your existence right now? <sighs> yeah, the words that come through are just, if you find yourself, feeling separate in any way. Just know that your heart is always calling you back. Mm. Your heart's always calling you back, no matter how lost you get. And just that simple act of surrendering into your heart's truth, what your heart feels, what your heart needs, the longing that may be there, the yearning just meeting that, falling into it, um, will always bring you back home. Mm. Beautiful. That leads me into my first question. Do you believe on, in heaven on earth? Yes. What does heaven on earth feel like to you? Heaven on earth feels feels like an inner experience. It's actually happening on the inner planes of ourselves. So it's a collective journey of coming back to wholeness and coming back to innocence. And when we're all, at least a lot of us, are able to hold that and transmit that, that is going to create heaven on earth. Mm. What are three things that you know so deeply to be true right now? You can either surrender to the truth or reject it. <laughs> Whether or not you choose to feel it or believe it or not, you're always being loved, you're always being held. You're always being blessed. You're always being guided back home, whether you acknowledge it or not. Mm. And that life wants to bless us constantly. And our journey is to stop resisting it. And that, you know, there's some inherent ways that we can really collaborate with God, with the forces of love and truth. And um, when we like remember what that means to collaborate with life instead of work against life, I truly feel like we, it's like we pop open like prosperity and not prosperity simply on a financial sense, although that's included, but the prosperity of life itself, of what it means to be alive and breathe and, um, yeah, I hope that was a full sentence, but it feels complete. <laughs> and my final question is, if you're not doing it right now, or maybe you are, what is something that your heart, what's the pleasure that your heart deeply desires to express and be in? Mm. Yeah. So many of my longings um, come back to 
being seen, being seen by my own heart. Um, and so one of my deepest desires at the moment is to allow myself to sing and write more um, and just sit in the bath and <laughs> have songs channeled through me and, and to also dance. I like my favorite, favorite thing in the whole world is to just be a conduit um, is just to allow art <laughs> and and truth to just emanate through me um, and so my desire is always to have more of that <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that and completely <laughs> <really> resonate <laughs> beautiful woman thank you so so much for being mm. you so much for being in this world and for being the beacon of light love and truth that you are i feel greatly humbled to to know you and to love you and to receive your love in return mm. Mm. Yes, with the world <sighs> thank you thank you so much for having me it's mm. been feels like a really alchemical conversation actually <laughs> yeah there's, there have been some really beautiful places that we've journeyed through that I didn't that I didn't expect we'd, we'd go to so <laughs> yeah. it feels really juicy and for anyone who's wanting to connect in with Shan I have popped her details in the show notes and you can go along and and follow her and and get some of her beautiful vibes and um yeah yeah Beautiful. I just updated my website yesterday. Yay! <laughs> so jump on in. It's fresh. It's ready. <laughs> All right, beautiful woman. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Liberate podcast. Remember, deep unbridled pleasure, love and freedom is your absolute birthright. If you've loved this episode, head to Apple Podcast or iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another wildly liberating and deeply enriching conversation. See you then. <laughs>